I'm so excited to preach on this topic called your word dot 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 this morning I'm going to be speaking mainly from a passage in John 1 1 to 2 if you have your Bibles here whether paper or phone these days you can um, turn there with me I'm reading from the ESV translation it says this in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God all things were made through him and without him not anything was made that was made If you jump down to verse 14, it says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. I love this scripture as we speak around your Word, and that's because we have this person, John, who wrote the the book of John, who wrote the book of Revelation and a few other letters later in the Bible, and really it's important to know John's background when you're reading this scripture, because what you find is a man that was one of three disciples. So there was 12 that were really close to Jesus and three in particular that were really close in his inner circle. Those were James, John, and Peter. And so you have this disciple, John. He's reflecting back on his time with Jesus at the time of writing this, Jesus has ascended into heaven. And he's sitting there with the Holy Spirit, rewriting the gospels. And I can kind of see him sitting there being like, how how can I open this book? How can I start and explain to people who Jesus is that I've been spending time with and who I know as God? And then he chooses to use this very specific term, the Word, right? And I find it so profound that this disciple, he was there in Jesus's closest and most intimate moments when he was transfigured or when we, it's like John in that time with two other disciples got to see a glimpse of what Jesus was like in glory, his clothes turned white, and he, and, he was, and he was glorified. And then also at the cross, when Jesus was hanging there um, in his last moments, he looked at John, the disciple, and he said to, to John that his mother Mary is now in his care. He entrusted this disciple to his own mother's care. And so why I'm telling you that is to paint a picture of how close this, this disciple was to the heart of Jesus. And so what we see here is him describing Jesus as the Word made flesh or as the Scriptures coming to life. And so we see that Him being called the Word is an important thing for us to understand. I love it comes down in Matthew 12, 34. At the end of it, it says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what's inside of our heart comes out of our mouth. And so for Jesus to be the Word made flesh, it means that from the Father's heart, God has spoken, and out of his heart has come Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to say that all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In other words, through Jesus, the Father spoke Jesus into existence, and through him comes everything else. And so it's so important to us in this time of going deeper in the word to understand that Jesus is the word made flesh, that when we read our Bibles, it's not a Bible about the Bible. The Bible is about Jesus. And so that makes such a difference when you read because you're no longer coming to a religious text, right? You're coming to a person and it makes all the difference. And so this morning, I wanted to share with you why it's important when you read your Bible in the morning or when you spend time with God to acknowledge that you're not just coming to a text to check a box. You're not just doing a religious duty, but you're opening a book that is a conversation with someone. And so I just have three points around what happens when we 
come to the Bible with that main priority in mind to meet with Jesus. The first one, if you're taking notes, is that we see into the heart of Jesus when we read the Bible. I love the story uh, in Luke 24. Again, if you want to turn there, you can. It's about two disciples that were walking out of Jerusalem to a place called Emmaus. At this point, it had been three days after Jesus had passed away and he was walking down the, these guys were walking away from Jerusalem. They had heard from other disciples that Jesus had risen from the dead, but they hadn't seen it themselves. And so they were chatting about this, being like, what, what do they mean like he's back from the dead? And so we find this verse as they're walking out on this road in verses 13 to 15. It says, that very day, two of them were walking or were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened, about Jesus dying and coming back to life. And while they were talking, discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. It goes on to say that they, he, he had shielded himself from them knowing who he was. So they're just traveling on this road and Jesus just tags along. I find that just so amazing. Imagine, yeah, anyway, it just blows my mind. Jesus just comes and chats to them. But we'll pick up in verse 27. As they're talking, Jesus began to talk with them, and it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the scriptures, from the scriptures, the things concerning himself, from Moses to the prophets. Moses in the Bible, if you know, wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, first five books. In other words, what it's saying here is that from the very beginning, from Genesis 1-1, all the way through the prophets, all the way through the Old Testament, Jesus opened their eyes to see him in the word. Like, imagine that. It blows my mind. Imagine doing a Bible study with the person that the whole Bible is talking about. Just walking down the road and he begins to say, oh, this, this points to Jesus. This points to Jesus. This is about me. It would just be the most mind-blowing thing. I love the moment for them that the lights go on and they realize who they're talking to. In Luke uh, 24, 32, it goes on to say, once Jesus had revealed himself and then he just disappeared, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? Did our hearts not burn within us? Such a beautiful statement. As we read parts of the Bible, whether you're reading through a historical account, whether you're reading through a poem, whether you're reading through a song in Psalms, no matter where you're reading, I would challenge you to look for the heart of Jesus in that statement, to look for the heart of Jesus in that story. Our hearts, when we read the Bible, should have the same response as those disciples. Our hearts should burn within us when we read the Bible. And I want to encourage you today that that is a possible thing. And really, it's just a simple, a simple shift, should I say, to just approach the Bible with that heart in mind. And as you do, so many things begin to come alive. I just wanted to share with you this morning from the Scriptures just some of the stories and the way that they've spoken and revealed Jesus to me. From the story of Noah, we see Jesus, our Savior. He's the ark that we hide in. From the story of Moses, we see Jesus, our deliverer. He walks us through the waters of baptism. He takes us out of Egypt, right? That's our old life of slavery. And he takes us into the promised land of freedom. From the story of Joseph, we see the wisdom of Jesus, right? He goes before us to prepare a way for us. From the story of Elijah, we see the power of Jesus, who performs mighty miracles. From the story of Jonah, we see the mercy of Jesus, who wants all to repent. From the law, we discover that he desires most our complete love. 
From the story of the three in the furnace, we see how Jesus protects us and uses all things together for our good. From the book of Ruth, we see the redemptive nature of Jesus Christ. From the book of Esther, we see the sacrificial nature of Jesus and the willingness for him to lay down his life. I just want to challenge you guys. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when you read the Bible with him in mind, when you read the Bible with a desire being like, I'm coming this morning, not just to tick a box. I'm coming this morning because I want to have a conversation with Jesus Christ, because I want to intimately know him. When you do that, he begins to just come. And what happens is you begin to find life. People begin to notice that your heart's changing. People begin to see that you think differently. People begin to ask you, what have you been doing? And it's the most simple thing. It's just the approach that you come in with. The next thing that happens, actually, should I say, this, this is the, the simple heart shift, actually. I want to read from John 16, 13. I shouldn't leave this out. This is a good bit. It says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. This scripture is speaking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when I go, I'll send a helper. So this simple heart shift of coming in and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to you is asking him to do what he loves to do. It says there, he will glorify me. He will take what is of me and declare it to you. So when you come in, I just want to encourage you. What I normally do is just sit down, open my Bible, just close my eyes. Sometimes you just put on a bit of worship. There's some amazing things out there. A young man in our church actually is watching online right now, Keegan Sutton. I would encourage all of you, if you YouTube Keegan and Katie, he has these amazing just soaking uh, worship mixes, I should say, just keys and other things. But so often I'll just stick those on. They're so anointed and you just close your eyes and just ask the Holy Spirit to come and do what he loves to do. And as you do that, it's the most beautiful thing because you, your heart just becomes soft and as you start to read, the scriptures just begin to come alive and it says that the word is alive, you know what I mean? Sharper than two-edged sword like Pastor John said last week. And that's exactly what happens. It comes and it becomes alive to you and begins to speak to you. The other thing that happens when you um, come to the Bible with that approach, coming and having that heart that says, Jesus, I'm just here for you, is that religion dies and relationship starts to, starts to happen, starts to be formed. I love when Jesus rebukes the Pharisees, as, so, as he so often did. The Pharisees, if you're new to the Bible or new to church, were teachers of religious law. They, were, uh, they wore certain garments, they taught the Word of God, but they were very arrogant, very sure of themselves, very religious. They followed certain guidelines and did all these things. But Jesus comes to them in John 5, 39 to 40, and he says, "'And you do not have his Word abiding in you.'" Ouch. It's a pretty harsh statement. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. But it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. You need to understand that the, the Pharisees knew more Bible than any of us. Like many times they had actually recited entire passages. They would remember entire prophets' writings. And yet Jesus comes to them and says, you don't have the word abiding in you. Do you see the distinction there? He's separating relationship, reading the Word for its, for its primary reason of knowing God from religious duty. And so instantly that he just clears things up, Jesus comes and he says, that, hey guys, like the Bible's not about the Bible. The Bible's about me. Do you know what I mean? It's, a, it's, a, it's like a manual into my heart. 
I can see him looking at them and it's both like motivating for me to come with the right heart, but also sad. Like imagine just him sitting there and being like, guys, you've just missed the whole point. I gave you this word not for you to bash people over the head with it, not for you to make all these religious laws and, and make people feel sad and feel like they don't add up, they don't, they don't meet the standard. Instead, Jesus comes and he says, no, like all are welcome to me. The word speaks of me. It's an insight into my heart. That's why you should read it. It just fascinates me. Hey? He just destroys religion in, in one, one comment. There's people today in different universities around the world who study religious theology. And just like the Pharisees would know far more Bible than us, but again, do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? They study it because it's a religious text. They want philosophy. They want insight. They want to have an idea of world events, but they've missed the whole point. And that's what happens when you read the Bible with, without the Holy Spirit. It, it becomes dry, becomes a religious document, study of history, but when you read it with the Holy Spirit, your heart comes alive because you're like, man, like, I'm getting to know the one who made me, the one who formed me in my mother's womb, like the one who, who was like, oh, looks at the Holy Spirit, looks at the Father and says, man, I want someone just like that, someone who looks like that, someone who thinks like that. And I, in 1993, I'm going to pop him in his mother's womb. And then for nine months, he waits. Do you know what I mean? And then you're born and he's like, yes, here he is. Like, that's the one you get to know when you read the Bible. The one who's so excited by your presence. It just, it blows my mind. The other thing that happens is, like I said before, life comes as you read the Scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 8.1, it says, We know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. See, the Pharisees had knowledge, and they walked around puffed up. They walked around arrogant. I mean, all of us would know people like this and bless them. I pray for them. But people that Bible bash people and people that hit people with religious texts and you can't do this, you can't do that. And really, that's what the Pharisees were like because they were reading just for knowledge. But it goes on to say this knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And when you go with the heart into the Bible being like, I want to meet with Jesus, it says that God is love. So what happens when you just come and you spend time in the Word with with Jesus, you come and you spend time in the Word with the Holy Spirit, you find that love comes. And knowledge itself isn't a bad thing, right? It says that we should earnestly desire knowledge. But knowledge that comes through and from love is knowledge that you want, not knowledge that just comes for the sake of knowledge and knowing things. And so I just want to encourage you, it's, it's, it really is about just making it so practical, like doing childlike things. Like normally what I'll do is I'll, I'll sit out um, in the morning, sorry, the night before I read the Bible in the morning. You can read it at night. You can read it in the middle of the day. Read it whenever you want. But I know that I'm going to read it in the morning. So I come normally in the morning and just open up the Word and sit it on my desk, put my highlighter out. If I'm going to take communion that morning, put my little cup out or, or whatever I want to do, I get my coffee ready and then I go to bed and just say little things in my heart like, hey, Jesus, like meet me there tomorrow. Like, Jesus, I'm excited to sit with you tomorrow. Jesus, I'm excited to see what you want to say to me tomorrow. I, I expect you to be there when I come back. Right? It's just, it, it's the simplest heart shift. I love in John 4, we see the, the reality of Jesus expecting us to be somewhere. He, he walks through a place called Samaria. More than often, Jews would never go through Samaria. Samaria was filled with people that they considered dirty because they were a little bit 
Jewish but a little bit of another nation, right? So the Jewish people would discard them. But Jesus, rather than walking around Samaria, he's like, no, it actually says in the Bible that he had to go through Samaria. Like he he was like, "Mm -mm." like, guys, I'm not going around, I'm going through it. And he goes through it for one thing. He walks and he sits at a well uh, to draw water. It's in the middle of the day, it's hot, and he sends his disciples out into the village to go and buy food. And I can just see this scene. If you've ever seen the, the TV show, The Chosen, has anyone watched that? If you haven't, I would so encourage you, download it and watch it. It just gives you such an insight into Jesus. But he's, he's sitting on the side of a well, and he's just waiting patiently. And that's how I picture him in the morning when I wake up to go into my study and be with him. And so Jesus is just sitting on the well, just waiting for this one woman, one woman that society had discarded, one woman that the only reason she was going to fetch water in the middle of the day when it was hot, no one else did that, was because she felt rejected and hurt and discounted. She had made decisions in her life that made her feel guilty. And so she comes to the well and what she finds is Jesus just sitting there. And she goes just to draw water and he says, hey, I've got, I've got something for you, water that will never run dry, water that will quench your thirst forever. She goes, give me some of this water. And he goes on to say, I'm that living water. And that's what I just picture every morning. Jesus sitting at the well, just waiting to give me water. And I want to encourage you guys. He's waiting there for you. The thing that breaks my heart the most is when I don't get in there in the mornings. Like I picture Jesus sitting there just waiting, being like, damn, he didn't come this morning. And like, it's both like, I say that in a joke, but also it gets me, hey, like, to know that he had a specific word for that day to give me. And I was too busy or I ran out of time, or, and I'm not, this is not a shame or guilt or condemnation message, this is a love message. I, I, the manna in the Bible, which was the bread that came down uh, when they were walking through the wilderness, would only last one day. In other words, they couldn't store it away for tomorrow. It would rot, right? So in other words, every day they had to come and get fresh bread. Every day that manna would come down from heaven. We heard a beautiful message from Pastor Dan last Sunday night about your word is bread. And every day that bread is fresh. And like, I don't know about you guys, if you've ever smelled, not many people have bread makers anymore, but man, like the whole house just, it's so fragrant. Hey, yeah, Marita knows. Like, and then, oh, just warm, like butter. And anyway, I'm like, you can tell I need more breakfast. But that's what I picture every morning. There's fresh bread in that place for you. There's fresh water in that place for you. And it's specific to that day. And so that's what happens when you just ask the Holy Spirit. You open your word the night before. You get expectant. You get hungry. You come in. And what happens is you come in hungry and he feeds you. And it's such a blessing. It is a life-changing thing. The last thing I want to encourage you by my last point is that when we come with the, the heart that says, hey, I'm coming primarily to know Jesus as I read the word, is that we align ourselves with the Father's highest priority, with the Father's highest priority. All throughout the Old Testament, it's really interesting, right? As Jesus said, from Moses through the prophets, they're testifying about me. But all of those messages would come through the Father speaking literally out loud, which just blows my mind, speaking literally out loud, or speaking through men and women, through prophets, through kings, through other people. But then you get to the New Testament and the Father goes super quiet, really quiet. In fact, as far as I could tell and as far as I've read, he speaks just twice. Once is at the transfiguration of Jesus, as I said before, when Jesus is, his glory is revealed. And the other time was when he came out of the baptismal waters. And both of those say these two things. 
In the baptism in Matthew 3.17, it says, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And then at the transfiguration, Luke 9.35, it says, And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my Son, my chosen one. Listen to Him. Do you see what I mean? In the Old Testament, the Father pointing to Jesus, speaking about Jesus. Then Jesus comes, and the Father has one statement, listen to Him. In other words, I can almost see the Father being like, I don't want them to miss it again. So many people missed it when Jesus came because they were looking for something else. They were stuck in religion. I can see the Father being like, I'm not going to confuse them anymore. So simple. Here is my Son. Listen to Him. So if He's the Word made flesh, that's what reading your Bible is. You come to Jesus Christ in the morning and you listen to Him and your heart begins to change and you begin to come close to Him and Him to you and all of a sudden, six months, a year, ten years goes by and you don't even recognize what you were like before without even having to try. It's the nature of relationship. God gave us the Bible, not for the Bible. He gave it to us for Jesus Christ. Right? It's a, it's a map into His heart. I love that in John 14, 9, it says, whoever has seen me sees the Father. I've been speaking a lot about Jesus tonight and today, should I say, I, like I said, I normally speak at night, so it's, I'm up early, lots of coffee, but that's what happens. You, through the Holy Spirit, see Jesus. And through Jesus, you see the Father. And then you look at the Father and He says, how great is my Son? And then you look at Jesus and He says, how good's the Holy Spirit? And then all of a sudden, you get stuck in this crazy love triangle. They're all just pointing to one another and you're stuck in the middle and you're just so blessed and you come out of your quiet place in the morning just like half drunk on, on love. You go to work and someone says something snarky to you and you don't react because you're just in another place. And someone's having a down day and you look at them and you've got a word of encouragement because you're so filled with Jesus from your morning time that something just you're, just, you're just not all there, but in the best way. Hey, and that's what I just wanted to encourage with you, you guys today, is that as you come to the Bible, you are not coming just to a piece of paper. You're coming to a person, and it becomes a conversation. What I love to do, I'll finish up on this point, is that as you read, don't just make it something where you're like, I've got my one chapter, my two chapters, my three, and I'm out of there. I've, I've done my duty. When I read, if something hits my heart, if I feel like God's gently correcting me, or I feel like something just causes me to bubble up in praise, I'll stop and I'll just begin to pray and I'll begin to give him thanks for that scripture or I'll begin to say, hey God, I'm so sorry, I repent for that thing. And so it becomes a conversation, right? I once had someone say, oh, is it better to pray more or read my Bible more? And I say, do both the same time. Read the Bible in the glory, not just one or the other. And that's what happens. You, you pray and it becomes an intimate conversation. You say something. God says something back. You pray something. He speaks to you. And it just becomes the most beautiful life journey. And so I just want us to close our eyes for a moment because I really want to just give you guys some time to re respond to the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we just wait on you right now. And we're just so thankful for your presence. Lord, those people at home right now, as well as their eyes are closed, just fill their homes with your blessed presence. Jesus, we thank you that you are the Word made flesh, that you gave us an entire document so that we can discover your heart. And if that's spoken to you in this place today, with every eye closed, uh, I just want to do this because sometimes a response is, is what's needed for 
Jesus to see our hearts. And if that's you and you're like, man, this, this spoke to me today. The word's been a bit dry and I want it to become soft again. I want it to become like a, a conversation again. Then I just want you to pop up your hand and I'm just going to pray with you this morning. You guys are awesome. You can pop your hands down now. Father, I thank you. I thank you for every person, Holy Spirit, that wants to enter in to an intimate relationship with you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that it's not a one-way conversation. Lord, I pray for every person in this room, Lord Jesus, that this week, as they go and go deeper into your word, that they would go deeper into your heart. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just speak to them, that you would blow them away, that as they even turn to you the most smallest amount, that you would just come into their quiet place, come into their bedrooms, wherever they're spending time with you, and just fill that place with your presence. I pray, Holy Spirit, that the Word would become food for them, that it would nourish them, and that little by little, our entire lives would change. Jesus, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We love you so much, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, that we get to come together today and love you as a family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys are amazing. I'm going to hand back over to Pastor Josh. God bless.